With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5 hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the 11th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, my Chicago Bears select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Bear down. Let's go. This is the Full Press Bears podcast. Packers suck! A part of Full Press coverage. I like that kind of party! I like that kind of party, baby! Here's your host and diehard Chicago Bears fans, Kyle George and Joey Plotkin. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Get ready to bear down. Thank you, thank you, and go Bears! What is up, Bears fans? What a game we witnessed on Sunday afternoon. It was wet. It was wild. It was crazy. It was a win, most importantly, for our beloved Chicago Bears. Thanks for tuning in with us. I am your host, Furious George, Kyle George, at FuriousGeorge94 on Twitter. And with me as always, Joey Plotkent at GoBearsDeep on Twitter. Follow us there. Um, for more news on the Bears, you can check out at Full Press Bears on Twitter, where our own, our very own Carlos releases articles on the regular for your reading enjoyment. You can email us, fullpressbearsgmail.com. We'd really appreciate it if you could go on to your favorite service and leave us a review. Uh, and tell friends about the show. Uh, we would we would just really appreciate it. Give us the opportunity to grow the show, show more. Um, and just get feedback, general feedback from you guys. So 
Um, but hey, it is Bears season. We are here. We are ready to go. I am so pumped that we finally got a real game to talk about, and I'm so pumped about the result. Joey, how are you doing? I am feeling great. There's so much to talk about. There are so many threads and different perspectives of this game, and it's like real football that we have to talk about finally. And to me, this like I've just been riding high since Sunday. Uh, the absolute best, like out of all the things that I'm feeling from this game, the predominant thought is kind of summarized in like Justin Fields handing out the game balls to Matt Eberflus and to Ryan Poles, and just that like little moment is like. That's I think that's kind of my overarching like how I'm feeling right now is just like I think we've got something in this head coach. I think we've got something with this GM. And I think Justin Fields kind of be like being the one to sort of recognize that after being able to see what we all just saw <laughs> from last year. Uh yeah, that's that feels good. Agreed. Um yeah, like I everything you said was really good. So when we're talking about you said there's different angles to look at this game. Um, what's like? What's like the first angle you want to you want to tackle? To me, the first angle. I think it kind of like stands out for a lot of bears. Like we've. I think most of us are kind of thinking about the second half uh, and sort of the the adjustments, the stronger performance, the. To me, kind of like the hits principle playing out in real time, you see where them having some stamina and endurance that they've been practicing hard plays to their advantage in the third and fourth quarter. Like, I understand mm-hmm. the weather. I understand, you know, I, I understand there's other factors as well, but they're playing on the same field. And to me, that looked mm-hmm. like a Bears team with more in the tank, at, you know, in the second half that made the right adjustments. Uh, and it's a tale of two halves to me. Like, maybe we kind of start there mm-hmm. with like, you know, kind of look back at that first half of like what wasn't working and and hallelujah, like you have coaching adjustments. You have, you know, how how many times have we seen the third quarter be kind of like the the worst of the Bears performance? You know, they come out of the halftime and, and they make no adjustments or they fall flat. There's no energy. And this felt like, like, okay, they're trying something different. They're not just you know, running back everything that they did in the first half. So, yeah, I think I think to me the first angle is like just kind of giving Eberflus that recognition of being organized, having a coaching staff that's detailed and able to make adjustments, and it actually working. So, regarding that first, I I, I mean, I really think coaching adjustments is really like <clears throat> I didn't. I'll go ahead. And, this is sort of a spoiler, but for my Sunday sweetness. I almost wrote down coaching adjustments as my Sunday sweetness. Mm-hmm. I did not, but I almost wrote that because that was, to me, that was like the key in the game. I mean, you yep. look at the first half, and what stuck out is the bad things in the first half. There was getting they were getting no push in the run game. The David Montgomery led the team in interceptions with three. Um, Justin Fields threw a god awful interception right at a safety. Like mm-hmm. thing, I mean, the defense was good. But the the offense was very concerning with all of that. After we've been told, like, oh, Fields is the guy. Fields is looking better. Oh, Luke Getz's system is going to play into his strengths and all this stuff. I really think I, I don't know, uh, Joey, if you are a consumer of the uh, QB school from JT O'Sullivan. Um, are you familiar with that? No, I mean I'm familiar, but I have. It's been a while. Like last uh, last season, I was checking in a little bit more. Yeah. So you should you should check out 
he he should check out his breakdowns from the past few Bears games and preseason games. It's interesting. Uh, but what I was gonna say is like that. So he he posits in his breakdown that Justin Fields possibly didn't see the safety because that safety originally lines up at the line, and then he drops back in coverage. But he stand where he is standing from Justin Fields' purview is right in line with another with a linebacker, mm-hmm. and from Justin Fields' point of view, though especially with it being more of a dreary dreary day and everything, those players may have kind of like blended into one in his vision. And if if the linebacker is, is the depth that he sees, then Mooney beats that depth, and then mm-hmm. therefore it's a good throw. But by not recognizing the safety dropping into coverage, that's where he f- runs into that. That was what he was positing. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say that a lar- I-, I think a large reason that that interception happened and it was so bad is because they were getting absolutely no push on the run game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I think Fields is like he's trying to move the ball. Like, hey, we got to get a chunk of play. Like the the little, you know, Dave, David Montgomery averaging like 2.3 yards a carry or whatever isn't working. Like we need to do something big. And I, I think, you know, when you're especially a young quarterback, you get into a situation where you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm under pressure. I need to perform for my team. I need to get us out of this bad situation. And you could make bad decisions. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of I think like a lot of things in sports and in life and in everything, cause and effect, certain things lead to other things. And I, I think the lack of the run success led to. Mm-hmm. lack of passing success in that first half yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think part of what came like right before that interception was the jalen johnson peanut punch with uh, briska's mm-hmm. recovery on debo samuel and so you know you start this game the, the bears actually start with that rough three and out i mean it was a rough sequence to start the game yeah. and i almost you almost kind of like lose sight of how that first quarter especially plays out uh, but you get the three and out with the field sack to start the game. And then you've got the 49ers driving and we, we all saw, you know, the peanut punch. And if, I mean, if that play can't like, that just was exactly what was needed. Uh, and yep. just it probably, well, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, but then you're right. I mean, it's, it's kind of immediately followed up with that interception. And that's kind of the point of like the first quarter and first set where like they just lose the field position battle from that point on because mm-hmm. of that interception. And they, they are just like playing catch up to try and get, a, you know, get a, a material drive put together so that they can kind of flip the field. And it's just it's yeah. hard to do when you're, you know, when the other team's getting the ball closer to midfield and you're always pinned back. Um, yep. it just, it just restricts a lot of the playbook. So that was, that was, it was a rough start, you know, and then you had the 49ers touchdown and, and that, you know, you go into halftime seven, nothing. And it just felt like they were, you know, you you had the one drive before the halftime and w- w- we can certainly talk about the, the field goal attempt that wasn't, but it was really, it, I, I, I don't think we can gloss over too quickly, just like some of the stuff that we need to point out in the first half. And then one other thought about your comment about the run game not working. Um, I mean, that was clear. That was clear that our O-line was just not getting the push that was needed. And, mm-hmm. you know, guy, you, you know, O-line, like you guys have the first push. You have the advantage. It's an O-line's dream for, you know, for, for as many carries and many opportunities that they were given. They, they were committed in sticking to the run. So the O-line's got to respond at some point. To me, 
it's a bit cons- I didn't like the amount of runs under shotgun. I yeah, I really I was expecting more under center runs and you know the I formation. You know, we've got two fullbacks on, on the depth chart now, right? We're gonna see, you know, uh blazing game, blazing game, you know, you know what I mean? Like I just I really oh. thought that that was at least a, a at least more of it than we did. And so that also, that threw me off. Also, what I you know there's a lot of criticism. There was a certain run play called on like third and eight or something. And I have mm-hmm. in general, like I understand that part of football is your, you know, the chess match where you're trying to make the move that the other team isn't expecting, but it it's maybe stats would go against this, but it seems few and far between that a run play on a long distance to first down is, they, they just don't work like mm-hmm. i'm i'm much more of a fan of like on third and eight like you need to at least make an attempt to the sticks like yeah i i don't know i i know the conditions were bad but like i mean i don't think it really prohibited how much they would want justin to normally throw anyway i don't know i i, I mean it definitely did a little bit but i don't know i there there was definitely play calling in that first half that i mean made it, it kind of made you like i made me shudder like i'm like yep, man yep that's right this is like this doesn't feel any different than what we had that's exactly that's that's really how it felt for most of the first half and you're i i was kind of thinking the same thing and i i think i think collectively bears fans for for a little bit there were kind of like what like how i, yep. I mean i saw memes of then, luke getsy t- you know scooby-doo take the mask off and it's matt naggy i saw i mean i it was out there and it was I don't, maybe it wasn't like quite as whatever, but it really did kind of feel like we got three and outs. We've got an offense that can't move the ball. We're not adapting to our players' strengths. We're not getting fields on the move with these rollouts the way we would have expected. We're not running under center. We're doing shotgun yeah. runs when, you know, if you know the old line is struggling, you know that the conditions are abysmal. Like, get your fullback out there, take the ball under center. Let's go. Like, if there was ever a game to do it, you know what I mean? And it just, yeah. And and so that's and why then, I kind of say like let's start like let's I think it's good that we're kind of like kind of unpacking that first half because obviously we we do move in the right direction but I think I yeah. think it's good to just kind of contrast it with where we were. The field goal that wasn't too with the towel rule mm-hmm, and everything, mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like, oh, that's such a Bears thing. Like it is because it felt like something that would have happened during the last regime. Like right, it feels exactly. like a naggy thing. Like. Yeah. That first half felt so naggy. Like it really did. The play calling felt naggy. The just the way that the the defense wasn't released. Really, I mean, they did they did enough. Obviously, I mean, the, the Niners only had right. seven points, but yeah. there were times where it was like looking a little questionable. And then the towel rule, it literally like, taking points away from potential points away from you because of a dumb penalty that you know say what you will about it just the circumstances of it it just felt so much like the old bears and i even tweeted out at some point i said like the new bears are the old bears like it just it felt that way and it really did and i don't know about you but like we've been we grew so accustomed under matt Nagy to think that once you reach a deficit of like just a touchdown that it's basically game over yeah because you're it, so you're so yeah 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 so like halftime 
I know we went into it kind of bleak. Like my brother-in-law, who they were over watching the game with us, and he wore his orange Ditka jersey, and he he said he he has another shirt that looks like like the the Bears sweater vest, but it says beers instead, and so. <laughs> He took off his jersey and put that on and said, and he said, I came prepared expecting the Bears to be bad. And it, it was just kind of funny. But they, I mean, it was it was a bad half for sure. It was a bad, it was a bad half. And it did. Now, I will say the, I'll give the We're defense called, their props uh, yeah. in the first half. Like, and, and I think you just did as well. And and that, that was something that we saw even under the old regime where like, the, it just felt like the defense was constantly bailing the team out and keeping them in it. Like it's they just were the cliche you know, bears yeah. trope at this point. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and that's, and that's how they played. And, and I'm going to do one more criticism. And then I think we can yeah. kind of get into like the halftime and the adjustments in the second half. But one other, one other criticism uh, in the first half, you know, say what you will about Luke Getze in the running, uh, and, but I think Eberflus and Allen Williams, like from the defensive side of the ball, and I, and I was just saying that, the, that the defense looked ready to go and they look good, but they, it, and maybe this is kind of a feather in your cap on the, on the Roquan situation, but he, he looked a step slow. And I think, I think a lot of players on the defense, almost like, I, w- I don't want to say I was underwhelmed, but I certainly wasn't over. I wasn't impressed. I wasn't blown away by Alquidi Muhammad, by Nicholas Morrow, by, um, man, take Justin a pick. Jones. You know what I mean? Yeah, Justin yeah. Jones. I was I was whelmed. I was I was <laughs> neutral. Yeah, I love that I was, phrase. Yeah. I was very whelmed by what I saw. In the the secondary was awesome. I like the, the secondary, secondary was was look. Yeah, no they, got they burned, were strong. Got burned at one point, but it, which it like, happens. I mean, especially in that in the in those conditions, it happens. Johnson was great. Brisker yep. and Jackson together great a lot of people are giving eddie jackson a lot of flack for getting absolutely bulldozed by samuel yeah yeah but debo had crossed the goal line at that point like yeah that's a that's a tough play to make and like we've all like at some point bears have to be like well and and like at what point are you are can you just accept that that eddie jackson isn't that safety you know what i mean like we know that yeah and and that's okay like eddie jackson has worked on the tackling but like if if you're talking to me about like a year three or year four Jaquan Brisker, maybe even having like, you know, Debo's maybe even another yard or two out from the end zone and Brisker can't make that tackle. I'll, I'll, I'll give you something. You know what I mean? Or like, uh, well, and I'm, I'm sorry. Like Debo is the, the type of receiver he is, is like, he is, he's a stocky dude. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, it's not but like, it's not like it's... he's the build of Darnell Mooney. Like right, if, if right. it's Darnell Mooney or Cooper cup out there, we have right. more you of a, skinny guy by like a slot receiver. Right. Yeah. I feel like Eddie Jackson could hold his own more, but Agreed. like Debo is a thick with like five C's. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Like yeah. He is and, he's, and when he's moving that dude. fast and he, he's yeah. basically just committed to falling into the end zone. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I would love like Adrian Amos to make that type of play. And maybe even still, that's a tough play to make. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. But, and I think, uh, yeah, that, that um, was, that was my, I'm, I'm just going to the Roquan situation. I think he's, I think he's someone, and we did start to see him in the second half, making more plays when he started to get his legs under him. I think, I think he's someone who's going to look better and better as the week goes, weeks go on and he gets, you know, his conditioning and his speed back a little bit. He, he looked a step slower than what I was used to seeing. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I wasn't watching close enough to pay attention to just Roquan, but I take your word for it. Um, but 
that would make sense why things tightened up a little bit, excuse me, a little bit more in the second half defensively because if Roquan finally kind of got more to speed and everything, filling in some more of those holes, taking care of business better, that would make a big difference as opposed to the mm-hmm. first half. Um, like there was in the first half, there were a few too many times of Elijah Mitchell breaking off a six yard gain or whatever. Um, but overall, mm-hmm. overall, yeah, the first half was just bad. I, I guess I, at this point, I'm hoping and praying that it was just the bears working out any remnants of Nagy, uh, <laughs> that they could <laughs> like working all the kinks out. Um, but yeah, so let's, so uh, oh, real quick, like before you get in the second half, what was your reaction to the towel rule? Because I'll be honest, for me, mm-hmm. I was like, I saw the Bears are lining up for the field goal, and I don't know if you ever do this, but like so many times when I see my team lining up for the field goal or whatever game I'm watching, it's like, oh, this is a good time for me to go get a drink, use the bathroom, yep. or this, talk this to exactly somebody. what happened to me. Yep. And so I, I was talking to my brother-in-law about something else, and – all of a sudden, we see there's a flag on the field, and we see that the Bears have been penalized with unsportsmanlike conduct, and we're like, the play didn't even happen. Like, well, how did they? And then I heard it was 16. I was like, how are they calling Trenton Gill for unsportsmanlike conduct? He's like the holder. And then I was like, he, he must have been. He must have either taunted or said something really nasty to the other side to get that flag and then the tv broadcast keeps showing this big towel on the grass i, I was very overall confused until i got into twitter i i swear we're yes it was the exact same experience for me watching so i had the family <laughs> over and th- like i this is where like i'm paying attention for like 99 of the game but this is okay right, they're lining exactly. up for the field goal and i was like I was, and I even had the thought of like, all right, I'm not going to get mad if Cairo misses this. Like, this is, you know, I see the field. How well is he going to plant? So, like, I kind of was like, I'm going to just kind of see what happens and I'll just kind of turn away. No big deal. I was chatting with my brother. And I had, I, him and I, like, we looked back to the TV and we had, we could not figure out. And like, we were usually up to date with the rules. Like, we know it. And I, we were both just dumbfounded. Like, what, what happened? And why are they punting now? And with the replays of the weird. towel, we did not know the rule. And eventually we kind of, and then like, not to give ourselves too much credit, but I, I'm telling you, like, right after that play, we both turned to each other and we go, you know what? That probably, helped us more than it hurt us because we if Cairo doesn't make that kick like look how much time still on the clock and the Niners I believe still had some timeouts at that point like it's not ridiculous to think that you know that another three or or seven could have gone the Niners way there um so regarding that I did not I did not have that thought until listening to CHGO postgame show um I was overall very disappointed in the Bears, but in hindsight, it does seem like a bit of providence, a bit mm-hmm. of divine intervention, if you will. Yep. Like that, that is it because pinning the Niners deep in their own end. In yeah, I, I and at that point we hadn't seen Cairo kick yet, right? Exactly. Kickoffs, so it was hard to know exactly what what to expect. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with that take. But yeah, it was it was wild. It was weird. And then like apparently like the ref apparently it was all from a misunderstanding too. Like the ref thought that they were trying to dry the field. Cairo was like, no, no, we're just trying to like 
level it Flat because it's so like or, mushy yeah. or whatever. But then, so but then I'm confused because it's like, wait, is it? Did the ref not like it because they're altering the playing surface? Because wouldn't flattening it also be altering the playing surface? But then I'm like, if the NFL is emphasizing player safety, wouldn't they want the kicker to be able to have like solid ground that they're running and kicking on? And then there was the whole people were debating online, like, is it about the size of the towel? <laughs> right, like, right. The size if it, matter? Yeah, if it was like the one that's like in the quarterback, like waistband right. or whatever. Like, I'm sure it would have been fine. Actually, I loved uh, Dan Doinks, friend of the pod, Zero yeah. Doinks. I yeah. loved his take on this whole situation where he was like, the ref was probably going to let it go. And then uh, Trenton Gill just kind of like yeets it like right oh, yeah. over to the ref's feet. And then he's like, he all threw- right. I, he, like, he's like, what do you guys, I have to call this now. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like they, they wanted to let it go. Cause they understood, like, I think they understood that the te- they weren't just bringing out the towel for, for no reason. You know what I mean? It was, it was pretty obvious that yeah. they were just trying to like, make it somewhat i'm gonna even call it like a safety thing where like it's a stretch right but maybe the ref's kind of like i'm gonna let them it's fine but when it just the way it all unfolded he's like there's a giant beach towel now and and i was also thinking like if the niners block this kick or there's a botch snap or a fumble like you got a massive towel just like on the play of field and like players (laughs) just like jump right on that like well yeah you can't have that my brother's in law because again we were confused we were talking we're like is it something about like foreign objects on the field? Because then I was like, but what do they do if like a player's towel falls off mid play or a player loses their shoe or their helmet? Like are those foreign objects? Like anyway, point is it seems like a rule that one would be enforced once every 10 years (laughs) at most. Yeah. It seems like a rule that probably could still use some more specifications for if that were to occur. Um, and overall, I feel like I do agree with you. Player safety wise, maybe leaving the towel on the field is not a good idea, but I don't necessarily feel like they should be penalized for attempting to dry it, even though that also seems like a dumb idea. (laughs) No, I agree Um, with all that. It was overall very weird. And that's why I was like, wow, this is so naggy like it just it did, yeah it just felt it just very like circus like and you yeah. know just well yeah, it, it, yeah. It, re- it was a combination of that and john fox with like the benning cunningham fumbling out of the back of the end zone right that was, like the yep, first yep, time yep. bears fans were like, like these, exposed like the to that, that only happened to us yeah. yeah yeah no it was it was a mess but anyway i agree with you i think it was i think it was providence in the end uh that 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 we punted um and moving on to the second half it's hard for me to remember exactly like the order of things. I know that the Niners were up 10 nothing at one point. Mm-hmm. And again, with the naggy ingrained in my head at that point, it definitely felt unsurmountable. Um, and then you get to this crazy 51-yard touchdown pass to Dante Pettis. And this is really what marks the turning point in the game. Yep. So I've got, um, before we get to that point, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to, so the second, I, cause I got you and I, I had to pull up like the little game cast. I, I kind of remember, but I figured this, this is what stood out. It was the, the Niners got the ball to start the second half and th- it's a field goal drive for them. But remember how they, they made it all the way downfield. It was, I forgot what the big play was uh, that got them down there. Well, let's see what it was. Yeah. Uh... Trey Lance. Pass deep to Jennings. 
that might have been like one of the Kyler Gordon. It wasn't even like blown. It was just kind of a anyway. Uh, but here's how that goal line stand ends. This is that Jaquan Brisker just shoots into the backfield on second and goal and gets like a two yard tackle for loss, like huge play. Yes, I recall um, that. Yep, like huge, huge play by Brisker. And then that's immediately followed up with the half sack for Dominique Robinson and Roquan Smith that they bring them down together. Uh, and that's that that saves. I mean, I was I was like they were at the two yard line and yep. that Brisker play and the uh, Dominique Roquan sack was huge play. Uh, and then the following drive is the Bears touchdown drive. That's the that's where you're that's where you're going with Pettis. Yeah, yeah. So that was so so. <clears throat> Bears get the ball. I want to say it was a touchback. So norm, you know, your your normal seventy five yard um, drive, and um, yeah. I mean the Bears seem to be kind. They seem to be moving the ball. I mean they they moved it up to about midfield, right? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I I remember it starting to like fizzle out a little bit, and you're like, oh no. And somewhere in there, if I recall correctly, there was like a Justin Fields scramble that extended the drive. Um, I think it was that drive. I think um, I think it was there was a face mask penalty on I can't remember. I mean, 49ers had a face oh, mask. I'm trying to remember yes. if this was like on a Montgomery run or who actually, you know, who got face masked. But that that gave them the big chunk. But they were, I mean, that was uh, they were what like at mid right at midfield on on this on the Pettis play, right? Because it was a fifty-one yard pass. They were, yep. the the snap came from the forty-nine. But yeah, no, the the face mask started the cavalcade of 49ers penalties that were yep, like exactly. big game changing penalties. Um, and here's the thing: I've heard so much criticism about this Pettis play. It makes me sick. Like so many people Same. are like, "Oh, that was a broke," you know, that was a a bad play like it was really a bad play did you see the throw on that it was like a lame duck oh did you see like it was a bad you know it was a broken play you can't really give him credit for that or whatever do you guys not understand how as a bears fan we've had plays like that before and either the quarterback gets sacked throws the ball out of bounds runs out of bounds completely underthrows or overthrows the receiver or throws mm-hmm. an interception like yep how many times has that play ended up the way that ended up like never. And even if, even if Pettis doesn't score a touchdown on that, that's still a huge play for us. Yep. And it's the opportunity is created because of fields mobility. He, he literally, he, he he makes two Niners defenders like collide into each other. He jukes them out. And that's, that's pure. Like, you in that one play, you have a nice microcosm of so many things. You have Fields' athleticism and his ability to go through his because I think Pettis is the last read in his progression, and so Fields obviously. I mean, it's a little now at that point, it's also I mean, a free play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at that point, it's also a broken play. It's just kind of a free play, and that's that's also in this is is Eberflus literally making sure that they take time in this training camp and preseason to practice the free play drill all the way through. Yep. And, and you see it, and I don't want to talk about the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, or whatever, but just a quick thought. Like I I can think of, I remember back when this was being practiced and all the beat guys kind of saying like, how many times do you see Rodgers, you know, almost make a career out of this, out of the, maybe that's more of like, in some cases that's the broken player free play, like a penalty, like a true free play, but the scramble drill too. 
I mean, this wasn't really on a, it wasn't a broken play. It, right. It was, but, it was just well, a, no, no. What my, this a example, drill. right. Well, this example wasn't of where Aaron Rodgers wasn't a broken play, but like right. just in general, the play where it feels like the bears almost get a sack on Aaron Rodgers, game changing sack. And instead it's a game changing touchdown. Like to me, the f- one that's freshest in my mind is Rodgers coming back from collarbone injury to Randall Cobb to take mm-hmm. the NFC North mm-hmm. in 2000, whatever, what, 11, I think, or mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yep. But that nightmare game with Chris Conti blown coverage and everything, that's one where it's like, again, it, that one wasn't a blown up play, but that whole idea of the defense closing in, they almost get the sack, but it wasn't good enough. And yeah, Rodgers, he's great at this. Mahomes, he's great at it too. And you know mm-hmm. what? The thing is, too, is that Fields, it was, people want to say it was a lame duck throw. Two comments on that. One, it's flat out impressive that he is on the complete other side of the field. He has the awareness to see Pettis wide open on the other side. And two, to be able to make the throw, like, and I think it was, I don't, I don't, it was either Hogue on CHGO or johns on hogan johns one of them brought up the idea that when you are when you have a player that is that open all that matters is getting the ball to them like yep, exactly just get them the ball like and with the amount of space pettis had around him it's not like it was like oh fields has to be super precise and hit him in step and lead him towards the end zone like no get him the ball and yep. Fields did that perfectly. And for anybody that wants to criticize, oh, Fields isn't accurate and whatever, later, that throw to Equinemius St. Brown was an absolute mm-hmm, dot. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, it was exactly. like Equinemius St. Brown did not have to move his arms, basically. Yeah. Like, it was perfectly yeah. thrown. There's been way too much, un- like, d- delusional criticism of this play against Fields or yes. whatever and just calling it. Like that, it's you know that, that it's law that this and that whatever. It's like all right, just at some point he did exactly what a good quarterback should do. Yep, on a broken yep. play. And there, Pettis um, had a great quote after the game too. He was like, "I essentially treated that throw like it, like because he's the he's the punt returner. So he's like, it's yeah. it's, a, it's like you know treat like he's going to secure that catch no matter what. And Fields just had yep. to get it to when he, I emphasized just how open he was too because Fields recognized that like he just having that vision across across the field and realizing it it's actually very smart to be like yeah i don't need to i don't need to rifle this in I, he could probably score or come close to it if i can just get him the ball so i'm just that's yep. it as opposed to someone like trubisky who in the past of the bears would have looked downfield and saw like a bears player kind of towards the end zone that's in triple coverage and be like i don't mm-hmm. know let's just try it like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like yep it, it's a different thing anyway that play to me really marked the turning point in the game because even though the bears were still down 10 to 7 you felt like you just felt the tides were turning yep you felt like the crowd okay, bears came on alive. the board yeah um the crowd was not into that game until that like from kickoff they agreed. were and then this moment brought them back to life and that and and since that play the bears owned the rest of the game the niners couldn't get anything going on offense um, they would have little spurts that get, you know, one or two first downs on a drive, but not really, not really very much of anything. Bears started to get to Lance hitting him, whether it was a, a sack or just like hitting him on little scrambles. Um, Debo Samuel was basically invisible for the entire second half of that game. 
Um, Elijah Mitchell ended up getting injured, so it's hard to really say much about him and how, maybe how he would have changed the game. But like, where would like just because Samuel's gone? What about Brandon Ayuk? Like, he's a good wide receiver. Where's he at? Yep. Like that they shut they shut him down, and that shows you people want to criticize. Oh, the Bears didn't do anything to help Justin Fields. That just shows you like how the defense and the offense work together more than people are willing to give it credit for. And, um, and, and ultimately, you know, fields comes down and leads another drive with the throw to equanimity St. Brown. I freaking, Mm -hmm. I love this play. Like, yeah. One, the throw is excellent, but two, have you listened to enough podcasts talking about the like intricacies of the play design? Uh, so I've heard, I've obviously done already a couple of podcasts and which one broke it down the best or feel free to go for it. Yeah. So, I mean, my understanding of it was just this play. It, it's ironic because for me, criticizing the run game, which it was David Montgomery was not having a good day, right? They, in the second half, and this is one of the adjustments you can tell they made. There was a lot more just Justin Fields run the ball or. Jordan Howard was getting a lot more attention in the second half too, right? That's Jordan an adjustment Howard. they make. What? <laughs> you said Jordan, Jordan Howard, Khalil Herbert, Khalil Herbert. My fault. <laughs> Dang it! I did. I, did that on, I was like, oh, I did that on that. Sunday too. I saw the twenty-four, and I was like, Jordan Howard. Yeah, no, that's good. That's uh, good. Khalil Sorry. Herbert. Khalil Herbert got <clears throat> more looks in the second half, along with Fields running. And so anyway. Herbert was having more success. Obviously, mm-hmm. Fields running it was having more success as well. Point being, they, you know, it's established in the league. It's been established that Equinemy St. Brown is a very talented wide receiver for blocking. Yep. yep. And Luke Getze, this shows you how much he trusts his personnel. He calls Darnell Mooney off the field. Mm-hmm. That is your number one receiver by far on this roster calls him off the field everybody is expecting a run play yep. and fields drops back play action and immediately breaking wide open you have Bri- 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 uh, brian byron pringle breaking <laughs> wide open to the left and pretty much straight a little bit to the right you have equanimity st brown mm-hmm. and just an absolute strike to him like <clears throat> It was incredible. People were saying, like, with Matt Nagy, you'd be lucky if you saw one person break open. And here you had, like, multiple and mm-hmm. just... They played ju- them. Yep. Yeah. Like, cre- credit to Getsy. That's so clever to use your personnel in that way. And it, it worked. They just flat out played yep. them. And this is... That's, that's coaching. That's putting and- your players in a position to make a play. For anybody that's concerned about like, oh, no, now they use that whole idea. It's not going to work as effectively next time. I would argue that it could almost work more effectively now. Agreed. Because totally. now teams, when they see that, they're going to be like, is it a run or a pass? Exactly. Either one. And now you don't know which one you're going to defend. And now you could get a big run play. You could get a big pass play. Either one might work. But it, anyway, it's ironic because it shows you how the adjustments worked. Because first half running isn't working running isn't working running isn't working nothing's working second half we're going to roll fields out more we're going to let him run we're going to let herbert run since monty's not having a good day and you know what we're establishing the run establish the run and now 
this play action pass with this unique personnel works. And yep. it was it was so cool to see that develop. And then the last drive of the game caused by it was caused by Eddie Jackson, right? Wasn't that how we got the last drive? Started? Yeah, the the interception uh yep. comes after the it actually comes so you have the Equinemia St. Brown uh touchdown so smart because he is such a physical like he's he's known that he was kind of brought onto this team for a lot of his run blocking and like his you know it's just so smart i love that play so much uh and then it's the it's a punt for the 49ers leading to the khalil herbert touchdown drive so the bears go up 19 to do i have that right sorry sorry okay wait a minute bears go up 13 10 uh you're you were correct Yes, exactly. And you are correct in that Eddie Jackson, uh, this to me was like the real, I don't know, dagger almost. I mean, you didn't know it at the time, but Eddie Jackson's interception there, just such a great play. Uh, And that's that's what leads to the Khalil Herbert touchdown drive on the next one to go up 19-10. I tweeted out, Bojack is so back. He's so back. And that return too was not like, you know, he's looking for the end zone once he, every time he gets the interception, he almost got it. I know, I know. He needed like one more blocker. One, yeah, I, he was so close. Oh, he he's good. Which is good. Like that keeps it because he's not satisfied with just the interception. He's, he's thinking like this I need a touchdown now. Yeah, he's gonna get a couple this year. You know he is. Yeah. Either him or like I see Eddie Jackson also as being the guy. Like if a like if Brisker or you know any any of the secondary comes down with it, I see Jackson being the guy that's like. We know he has the nose for the end zone. I see him trying to create those opportunities for the other guys to get in the end zone. You know, like yep, yep. he's hungry for it. Anyway, no, it was it was like it was almost nostalgic in a way to see that, which is crazy because yeah. he's not that old of a player. But it was cool to see that. Like it felt so right for him. Like it felt freeing in a way. Like Eddie Jackson, like had become a laughing stock like a bear's meme a shell of himself and i think he the the uh what's the word the criticism at had become just overblown to the point of it basically became a joke and i credit to eddie jackson for sticking with it and credit to ibra system for kind of like reinvigorating him and motivating him I really think this system, I think the pairing of him with Jaquan Brisker could end up being a really lethal pairing in the NFL. So I was was pumped about that moment. I I loved it. And both Eddie and Brisker kind of spoke on it after the game. And they like, I mean, Brisker for one, definitely just kind of said like, that's just Eddie being a vet and being a pro, like being that guy. And there's been so much talk about him kind of like mentoring him and taking him under his wing. I think the whole secondary, Jalen Johnson too. But like just seeing Eddie and Jalen kind of step up into like leadership roles now along with Roquan and along with Robert Quinn, like, man, it's just, it's so much like rooting for that defense is still so fun. Uh, And that's, that was, that was a huge, like, immediately and i actually i turned to my brother like a couple of plays before the interception i was like come on like where's where's eddie been i'm ready for him to make a play and it was maybe like two plays later and so i'm i'm yeah i put i put good energy into the air um but no i mean i'm ready to go out and get like whatever bojack cereal o's or whatever whatever eddie's cereal is like it's like dude that just can't like Put that back out. I like Bears fans will flood the store right now to get a box of those. Like I need, I need to know where I can find 
box of yep. Bojackos or whatever they're called. I need I need that. Um, and then obviously, like you said, we had the Khalil Herbert touchdown, um, which you know the interception by itself I felt like the dagger, but the yep. the touchdown really put the game out of reach for the Niners because at that point now you're up two scores. Um, and even though there were still like six and a half minutes left in the game, it was it felt like things changed and people have brought the people have mentioned how like all of a sudden basically after Khalil Herbert scored is when it, the rain just picked up again out of nowhere and it was just it it was so just it was mm-hmm. puddly everywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the lines and the number like all the paint on the field was getting yeah, smeared to, all over the, the black place. yeah black numbers because yeah the, they super because the camera was the camera was was like not even it was just like you're looking at it through like a fishbowl fisheye lens with water J- it was a mess jason leisure tweeted out he was like the soldier he was like soldier field looks like a van gogh painting right now right so good but yeah i mean and i i actually think once they went up 1910 i mean that that really was when you started to see like every step on the field just like being flooding but i i really do believe that that defense they were ready to just pin their ears but i actually think yeah i'm gonna make a ridiculous argument but i actually think you would have probably seen more sacks or turnovers or you know dominant like that's like once you get that you're up two scores well, now 49ers have to throw their way to get, you know, to yep. just to, in the time that's left. And this is like defense, pin your ears back and go get the quarterback time. And I think that's where you would have I, – I, I've seen a lot of like, oh, you Bears got lucky with the – like, I think it's the other way around. I think I, I think they would have loved to cement and, and put their stamp on the game at the end of it. 49ers yeah. just weren't even able to make a run based on – you know, they didn't even give them that chance. I love that argument for sure. I do. Um, but – Obviously, this is also overblowing it, but the only other game I could think of where the weather turned dramatically after a Bears score was a game I wasn't even alive for, but it was when Wilbur Marshall picked up the fumble and returned it for a touchdown mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship game against mm-hmm. the Rams in 1985. Yep. Again, yep, yep, yep. I don't want to be over... I, I was just excited in this game, and I agree. Like you could notice the weather get considerably worse, and I completely agree with your statement. Like, and, and anything, the weather is a great caveat if you like for evaluating players and schemes and everything. Because yes, those things were affected. Where the weather cannot be used is for claiming, oh, the Bears got lucky or whatever. Because right. no, both teams played in the weather. Yep, and exactly. one team made the plays in the weather and the elements that was needed the other team did not that's what it comes down to if you want to make the excuse for you know oh trey lance didn't look as good because of the rain fine i I, trey lance didn't look as good partially because the rain probably because he's a rookie who has only played like one game in Mm -hmm. three years like Mm -hmm. they're there's multiple factors don't just say that don't be so simple-minded out there to say the rain is what caused it anyway no so so some other just like tying up some some loose end thoughts on the on this second half um this is also where bosa goes from being like a major presence in the first half to essentially Mm. kind of being managed very well Mm -hmm. and i don't i would be very curious to see like what chris morgan or braxton jones might have identified or you know whatever adjustments they may have made i'd have to go back and really like take a closer look uh but credit did you to- see 
Did you see that uh, Tevin Jenkins? Tevin Jenkins. Oh yes, I've been watching it oh. all week, all week, uh, all, week all two days. Yeah, Tevin. He just and this is this is Tevin Jenkins. The, the phrase looking for work. Like he blo- he blocks his man, turns, lays a, a beautiful pancake block on Bosa. Kind of oh. even like has, he has time to celebrate that hit. Then get up and realize that Fields is scrambling and just keep go downfield and keep blocking and help Fields on the run. Like if you can't appreciate Tevin Jenkins on that play, uh, oh. and yeah, let's let's do some Tevin Jenkins and offensive line talk. So yeah, uh, I didn't. I actually didn't mind the Lucas Patrick Tevin Jenkins rotation as much as I feel the consensus out there did not I, like it. I didn't care. It was more that people were freaking out. Like oh no, like. There, that's a short leash for Tevin Jenkins. Like, I guess they don't have much faith in him. I was never really that concerned. I was just like, oh, okay. I, I don't know. I I wasn't really worried about it. I um, actually like it. I actually like it. I like that they got – because, like, Lucas Patrick's not snapping the ball right now with his hand injury. Right. But right. get Lucas Patrick out there. Get him – get his conditioning under him, get him used to playing with these guys. And Tevin Jenkins is uh, days into the right guard position with his first time. You know, he's had limited yep. NFL game experience at it's any fair. position, especially at the right guard. There's no need and for, you know, the like the point, endurance, like get keep fresh legs at that in the interior offensive line is not a bad thing. I know Lucas Patrick is intended to be your center, but the whole, one of the whole points they mentioned when they signed him was that he's a diverse offensive lineman. He's played right like every position almost on the offensive line. So yeah, is there really any harm in putting him at right guard? No, I don't think so. And no, I completely agree with you. All I know is that I did not see that Tevin Jenkins play during the game, but like yesterday when I was going through people's threads and stuff and I saw that, I was like, that it like that. That's one of my favorite plays from the game. Just that moment. Like, yep. That's the Tevin yeah. Jenkins we drafted, like that we that we you know what I mean that we we, yep. we moved from the film that we all saw. Like that's what we were hyped about, and and he's mm-hmm. it's it's in him, it is in him. Oh yeah, no, I I hope that I hope that the whole Jenkins experiment works out. I'm optimistic that it will. Um, Braxton Jones, I don't know, I I think he can work out. I think yep. The, I think I I I have a feeling by season's end. Braxton Jones is going to be a player that there will be some division on. I think there will be people that are big supporters. I think there will be some people who are like, he's average at best. Right. Like his ceiling right. is an app, which is great for a fifth round pick. Right. But, yeah. you know, I, I think this may sound controversial, but. I think there's, there might be some people who are like, oh, he's not any better than. Charles Leno or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily count that as a loss though. Um, right. It's hard not to see the parallels with like Charles Leno. I mean, it's, it's been in my mind, you know, yeah. late round draft pick, really promising. And like that you got a starting left tackle out of it. Even if they're an average starting left tackle, that's phenomenal. I think bears fans are kind of like, yeah, we want to invest in the offensive line. We want an right. above average left tackle at a premium exactly. position, protecting Justin Fields. So and I see be- both sides of it. And if he becomes that, then great. Yep. But the fact of the matter is like when was last, like have the bears really ever had an elite offensive line? Not really. So like we've had some elite players like Olin Cruz and Roberto mm-hmm. Garza together, but like, I'm, yeah, usually never, on the interior. Right. Never was the whole line really like one cohesive piece. And 
it's fine to have upside for all these guys. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I think Braxton Jones had moments that were rookie moments, like getting right. to- Nick Bosa's lone sack. Like yeah. Yeah. Jones got totally lit up. Like yep. it wasn't even yep. close. Yep. Um, but as you brought up, Bosa was silenced, silent pretty much the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Braxton Jones took care of business. So, hey, if he learns from those things, then maybe he can. I, I mean, there's no reason that Braxton Jones can't become an elite left tackle. Yeah. Because and I think that's just, where. Yeah. No, I think that's where I, th- I think his the quickness in his development. I think like Poles and Eberflus, everyone has talked about like, yeah, no, we, you know, we, we knew that, we're not surprised that he's as, you know, playing as well as he is. We're surprised how quickly he got there. I think that's the hope you hold out for like him having a higher ceiling is that like he's still, you know, that he's only going to keep getting better at a really fast rate so that even in one season of development for him might be, you know, equivalent to, to more playing time for you know another tackle. I, I think that's the hope in, in him having a high ceiling, but I, I agree with everything you're, everything that we have laid out there. It'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on that as the season goes on. And then we cannot, if we cannot finish talking about this game, without discussing the slip and slide at the end. That yeah. is iconic. Uh, it was such a fun iconic. moment. I, I immediately purchased a CHGO field <laughs> celebration shirt. I, for, for, for zero reason, I so badly don't need it, but I just, I saw, I was like, no, I need it. I, I, need, <laughs> I need to, I absolutely need that. Uh, I resisted the urge a little bit, mainly because I need I need a bit new Bears hoodie because my my mm. I I don't know how I've gone this long without a Bears hoodie but like the Bears hoodie I have is one I had in high school and it is like basically not even warm anymore like at this point yeah. it's like a long sleeve t shirt at best and I'm just like I want like a good Bears hoodie uh and and I don't have that much orange Bears stuff all my stuff is navy so I mm-hmm. ordered so I was like in lieu of getting this sweatshirt I'm gonna get myself an orange Bears hoodie so I got that come in some point but yeah no that was awesome so yeah, much fun for, celebration for fields it wasn't even just the slide it was the slide and then the way he like slowly rose up yep. flexing his oh, muscles yeah. like super amazing confident. amazing edits all over you know making their yeah. rounds also the um uh the, like there's that one picture in particular that ma- it almost makes it look like a painting like it like yep. it literally you know you know what i'm talking about yep, from the I side mean, that is yeah exactly like and that's I think we were talking about this in our in our preview episode where it's like, look, if you can just steal some of these wins and beat some of these opponents that on paper that all the experts are saying are, are supposed to beat you, even though you and I both predicted a Bears win and both took the money line on this game. And, and <laughs> we can get into that. Right. Like if you can like just give us these moments this season mm-hmm. in, in addition to, you know, fields taking the next step. And that's a win of a season. And like so grateful that we we started with this no we, we don't need to make the playoffs we don't need to beat every you know whatever but like i'll i will call this a successful season just Agreed. by nature of the, like moments by this celebration by getting Eberflus and poles their first win that field stuff like etc cetera, etc cetera. like that was just it was it was just so clean uh and the whole offense and the offensive line like taking part i just loved it can't cannot love it enough and for me, I think the thing that was, again, I didn't put it for my Sunday sweetness, but the thing that stuck out to me so much was just like 
you saw it wasn't just like oh the bears were good from the beginning to the end you saw action actionable coach moments where mm-hmm. their decision making directly impacted how things happened on the field and like that's why you can tell there's a stark difference both by defensive approach and offensive approach in that second half and i i just think like the fact like it's not a stark difference by accident like there is there is coaching adjustments that were made that were never made in the past under naggy um and it is so encouraging to see that um i don't know what you think about fields's performance i thought all things considered like that interception was really bad but i thought he played really well i thought the i mean i thought the other two his two touchdown throws were great and i don't know i thought he played well i it's it's hard to Maybe it's not hard to evaluate his performance. I think it's hard to put too much stock into week yeah. one, even under good conditions. It's hard, you know. You, you have there's so much uh, that I mean, like you look around the league too, and you know, you know that there's so many quarterback performances. We're like, yeah, that's week one stuff. Like, like Geno Smith and Seahawks, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Like take take your pick of a lot of the games around the league. You, you know that a lot. You know that, that what you see isn't isn't the best representation. But that said, yeah, I saw he looked. I, you know, more than anything, you find a way to win. You find yeah. a way to make the touchdown throw to Equinemia St. Brown or to or Pettis. to Dante Pettis. You know, you, you find a way to use your mobility and escape the pocket in the pass rush, even when your offensive line isn't giving you time and when your run game isn't working or when you, you know, when the field being what it is. Like, you find a way to win the game, and in small moments he did that, and in, the, in overall he did that, right? Like, mm-hmm. most important stat on the day, we got the win. And that, that's right. One and oh, baby. Top of yep, the north. Like that's that's how I feel about his performance. Like, hey, he got us the win. That's that's good. That's a good performance in my book. Completely agree. Okay. That was a great recap. I love doing that. So before we move on to our Sunday sweetness and our doink of the week, I wanted to ask you. I don't recall off the top of my head what your bold predictions were. I wanted to see if you got mm-hmm. any of them. Um, so what were they again? And did you hit any of them? They were kind of rough. I was close in some, on one of them. I had I had four sacks uh, combined for Robert Quinn, Alkadi Muhammad, and Travis Gibson. Uh, I don't believe any of them <laughs> registered a sack, uh, so I was a little off there. Now I I would have loved to update it with Dominique Robinson. I think even when I said that, you kind of said like maybe they they sent Roquan on a blitz. And I think he, he was, if nothing else, he, he was in the backfield with Dominic Robinson for like a half <laughs> sack there. So uh, cl- close enough. I had the spirit of it, but I'm, I'm waiting to be, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see a strong performance out of that group of guys that I mentioned in my first bowl prediction. Second bowl prediction was, uh, what did I, say? I think I said it was going to be like a 20, 20 touches for David Montgomery and be a big Monty game. I have to check this. What did he end up with? Let's see if I can find it. This is where I, I was surprisingly close. Uh, Monty had 17 carries. carries. 
And I think I settled on like my actual prediction is 18 carries. My bold prediction was that he goes over 20. So I, I kind of expected 18 is, was literally my prediction. He got to 17. Now I definitely would have thought more yards to go along with it. And that's where my criticism yeah. of like line him up under center, give him to the fullback. I don't, every now and then you want to do the shotgun or, and that works because he can catch too. So you can, there's a lot of packages you could do, like get him the ball. And I thought his receptions were phenomenal as well. I love that they, you know, dialed up some screens or that feels just kind of flipped in the ball in a couple of moments when the pressure came. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was glad to see him used as, as much as he was. It just, like I said, I've, I've, I've called out the good and the bad there already. My pulled predictions. My first one was Cole Komet getting a touchdown. Cole Komet got like one target. Yeah. <laughs> so was... he was, I, I, uh, I do, I am, I'm still buying into the Cole Komet. Uh, Same. Welcome party. You're coming out party. Um, I don't know. I'm not again, week one, bad weather. I'm yeah, not going to put it's not over. crazy stock in it. Um, yep. That did not happen. Um, my other one was better than my bold prediction. So my bold prediction was that Nick Bosa gets two sacks. The Niners get three altogether as a team. Nick Bosa had one sack and the Niners had two sacks altogether mm. as a team. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty proud of that. I was like, hey, yeah. that's that like, hit. Yeah. I mean, it was even better than what I expected. It so. was bolder. Yeah, that hit. Um, and I think our most important, we both had a Bears win. Uh, that's right. I, I had 27 20 as my score prediction, which I think I like the spew, you know, 20. yeah. I mean, we were, you know, I'm, we were, that's I mean, a win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we, and, okay. and like I said earlier, we, it wasn't just a podcast prediction and, and for nothing. We, we put money on it. We took the money line, that's not right. the seven point spread, took the money line and we stood. I mean, by I did it. both, both but did. yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that works too. <laughs> You gotta hedge a little bit. I get it, but yeah. And I live bet the under because it was clear uh-huh. that the game was yeah, yeah. Under. that was that was uh, money. Anyway, yeah, no, that was it was funny too because then after the game, I was going through my bet slip and I turned to my brother in law. I was like, "Oh, apparently I bet the Bears money line twice. Cool." <laughs> <laughs> so well that was great. Um, all right, so Sunday sweetness, our best. Or no, let's do Dunk of the Week. Let's end on Sunday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. My Dunk of the Week was the towel rule. I Yep, I knew you were going to do that one. I was about to. We were talking before the show that we might both pick that one. But and uh-huh. before, I, I initially put it down, and I did actually change it even before we started because, I, I like I said, I was like, I think that probably did help us. And I swear I had that thought like right at halftime. Like I think that was best case. So it was a very still silly moment. Though. It's silly, and it just felt like – uh, and, like, can oh, we get away from these I, moments? That was a comment I forgot to say. I tweeted out. I said something like, "I have a feeling we're going to be talking about the, a, a darn towel this entire season and beyond." And I'm yeah. so glad we won this game because if we would have lost this game, especially by a field goal, do yeah. you know how oh, much no. yeah. we'd be getting roasted and t- people would be talking about a freaking towel i would be, I mean, we'd be doing it to ourselves it would just be bears twitter melting down over it too oh my word anyway. no that's a good call am i that's my, my doink doink of the week? yeah no that's good you're right my doink of the week i, I don't want to be too hard uh i'm, I'm giving it to an individual not a player but giving it to our offensive coordinator luke getsy now mm, yeah i i don't i don't mean I'm not. I I'm very high on Luke Etsy. I I like mm-hmm. a lot of what I saw, especially in the second half. 
I really did not care for the way that David Montgomery was used on his carries. I, I really wanted to see more under center. I really wanted to see the fullback get incorporated more. And I, and even if that's, I just, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I just think that yeah. that was, I think that that is an adjustment that I would like to see made for the coming games, especially next week in green Bay. Yeah, it. I, I agree. Like that whole first half was kind of a, a doink or a dud for him um, mm-hmm. but he's a first time caller and he probably scratched a lot of his plays because of the weather right so which now, i would have liked what, to see him adapt to the weather by you know what i'm saying you get what i'm saying right like well, i'd like to see the just second half he did i but it just was it felt so obvious that like you throw your game plan out the window when the field is you know a swimming pool and you yeah. you run the ball the, you know what i mean like not to sound like a true meatball fan but it just i, I don't know I'm, well, I'm we'll see because it. they're predict right now it's showing rain in Green Bay on hmm. Sunday night. So we'll okay. see. This, um, this team is conditioned for it. So let's see. <laughs> apparently, yeah. Uh, my Sunday sweetness. So I wrote I wrote down two different things here. One, and this is partially just myself like talking to myself here, but I wrote hanging hanging in there amidst adversity. And mm-hmm. I wrote that mm-hmm. because like again we're so accustomed to the naggy bears. I mean, this podcast started during the naggy bears era and we're so accustomed to once basically the, the bears blow a lead or give up the lead, you know, give up a score that the game's over. That's what it always felt like. And there were, there was that, there was the rain, there was the weird towel rule, bad play calls. Like, you can you can list a bunch of things that went wrong for the Bears, and they hung in there the whole way through. Justin Fields had that horrible interception. He didn't look good in the first half. He hung in there and ended up having a good day. Like, yeah, I really appreciate the persistence that they showed and the resilience they showed. Um, a more specific one here is I wrote down Dominic Robinson is mm-hmm. a dude in that's all caps. It. Yeah, and that's it. that. Okay, yeah, sure. He had the half sack with Roquan. The sack where he with one hand one arm drags Trey down. Lance to the ground was amazing. Trey Lance is not like a lightweight guy. Like that's not like pulling like that is dude, that is a ridiculous amount of strength and his size and his speed and then in like you you don't expect him to be able to make like a one-handed tackle to, to have that type in, of strength. In the wet conditions, like, like yeah. He's he's probably he should be harder to grab. Like and Dominique Robinson, if you watch that play, Dominique Robinson is like falling down, and then yep, as he's exactly. falling down, he's just like, "Well, you're coming with me, Trey," and yep. throws him to the ground. Like, it was and he just doesn't he doesn't give up. Like I noticed that on that play and the, the, the throughout the entire game, he might not win his first rush. Like, you know what I mean? The offensive line might kind of contain yeah. him or beat him. He, he loses the rep, so to speak, but he keeps fighting, and he keep, he knows that Trey Lance is going to scramble. Or that the play, you know what I mean? And he doesn't, he, he's effort. Like the effort stays, it's hits, it's, it's, you know, it's all of that. And I love, literally love that. I have, I had, uh, so on my Sunday sweetness, what I did, I, I listed out, <laughs> I have four player honorable mentions. Dominique Robinson was one of them. The other three, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. I think we've kind of covered for what, although we didn't hit on Jalen Johnson, like also not, re- I didn't notice it until the advanced stats came out not a target his way. I mean, he was right. He wasn't thrown at, 
uh, in addition to the peanut punch, like he Jalen Johnson, if I had to give it to any of my honorable mentions, I would give it to him for the player. Um, Sam Mustafer was my last shout out. We have not brought him up in our whole conversation. Shout out to Sam Mustafer, not for playing great, because uh, he didn't. And the, the run game, I think, struggled because he wasn't able to get that push. But I think he is a more than capable backup center who bailed us out at a time when, like, Lucas Patrick's hurt and we have no one else. Like, and in that rain, there were no bad snaps or botched snaps. You know, he he did his job. And I think we sometimes all pile on Mustafer for not being more. But, like, he has – by same as what we've talked about with Charles Leno and Brexit. Like, he has far exceeded expectations. So, like, shout out to Mustafer. Um, that's it. I'm basically yeah. just listing the whole team now. <laughs> and um, special shout out with regarding Mustafer too. Uh, Adam Hogue pointed out that. So, I think the Bears ended up getting called for. Oh no, it wasn't a false start. It was a bad snap because Fields is not ready for the snap. But Mustafer mm-hmm. noticed that the Niners were like not lined up, basically. Right. Right. And so he snaps the ball to get a free play for Fields. Of course, again. The snap was or Fields wasn't expecting the snap, so it didn't really work. But Hogue was saying, like, great recognition by Mustafer to notice that. And Hogue said, free plays are coming. And I agree. That's a huge deal. Yep. And I mean, what how how wild of a world would it be if somehow amidst all this, Sam Mustafer played like I know I know I, I'm high on Lucas Patrick, but like what if Sam Mustafer somehow played himself into a starting position? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I would love to see. I mean, it. I mean, me too. It's just it'd be, it'd be shocking. He's a high IQ. Like that's what everyone said. Out of like, this is a high IQ dude. He just he like no one has any concerns about his ability to read the coverage, to make the right call, to get the line set. So that's huge. That that you like you have this sort of like guarantee and that whole regard. You just need him to. I think he bulked up by eating Lumalnati's in like the <laughs> off season last year, and it's like yep. I love it. But like if he can just put on a little bit more, like if he can kind of put on weight the right way and get his strength yep. up, there's that. That's the last element he needs to round out in his game. I also bulk up with pizza. So right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm just actually, me and Sam Mustafer. Like I'm, I'm just like him. <laughs> All I don't right, know so if I'm, you saw. I'm, I don't know if you yeah. saw the most recent Justin Fields Darnell Mooney sponsorship. Did you see that on Chipotle? Twitter? I swear, I swear, Dude. I, I feel like at some point, I, I don't know. I did some. I tagged Mooney in something Chipotle related, like at the, like at the end of last season or off season or whatever. I, I'm not. I'm not saying I did. I didn't do anything, <laughs> but I didn't. I'm not taking credit. I'm not. <laughs> But I'm just I, there was a part of me that felt a little proud, like like that, uh, you know. Yeah, I just kind of I just kind of felt it. The pride like a father has in his son. You probably felt that, like, all right, <laughs> Mooney, exactly what I felt. You've, do, you've done it. Like, <laughs> when I I take a person, I eat Chipotle in a, a disgusting amount. So I I, I love I've, Chipotle, dude. I love oh. Chipotle. I I they sent me like this is getting a little carried away. They sent me. I had like, this was back in like the old point system or whatever it was. And uh-huh. like, I had like free swag, like merch for like the Chipotle <laughs> goods store. They were like, yeah, Hey, like you need to redeem all of this. Like get a free, I, I bought like two hoodies and two pairs of sweatpants and a t-shirt. And it was just free. Cause I had eaten so many burritos. Were so the, whatever that were, were all the clothing where they just made out of tinfoil. 
<laughs> no, thankfully, they're, they're actually, it's high quality. It's like nicer than most of the clothes that I buy. It was just nice. all free. And uh, so, yeah, just, you know, me, You're uh, like, me and Mooney. What is, Gucci? What is going on yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was the, I was the OG Chipotle brand ambassador. But, all right, I'm driving our listeners crazy. I gave a, like a bunch of honorable mentions. None of them actually were written down as my Sunday sweetness. The one that was okay. is Coach Flus. Coach Flus gets my Sunday sweetness for everything else that we talked about. And this closing thought, the penalties on the Bears, like if you Amen. if you also wanted to summarize this game in, in one way in the contrast between the Bears and the 49ers, we were the better coach team. We were more disciplined. There were no stupid penalties. Like literally so few penalties on the day. I think it's what three total, one of which was like an intentional delay of game. I mean, they Eberflus had them playing smart, disciplined football, still fast and physical. And I I I love it. Literally love it. Coach Flus had already won me over even before this game, but this game really cemented it. I'm yeah, let bring it on. Let's go. Green Bay next Sunday night. Like, listen. The realist side of me is okay. I'll be like, and we'll get into it on Thursday. Bruce Irons is coming to join us. Talk about Packers. He's a big Packers personality on Twitter. You've probably, if you're listening to this, you've probably argued with Bruce Irons on Twitter. Okay. Just letting you know. But I know it sounds. I know this look is a bad comparison because Notre Dame lost to Marshall unranked, which was a really bad loss. But I am for the Bears. All I'm, all I am expecting, all I want, is for it to be the way the Notre Dame Ohio State game went. I want a close, competitive mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Play them close. You do not need to win this game to make me happy. Obviously, I would be thrilled if you did. But get even a game like 2018, which was heartbreaking with how Rodgers came mm-hmm. back and won it. Mm-hmm. But just a game where you keep in step with the Packers all the way through. Give yourself a chance to win at the end. That is what I want. Bring it to yep. me. Yep. I'm I'm excited to get more into uh to to Packers preview. This is this is a, a season not season defining, but like from a fan standpoint, see- like this is, this is a, what? what how, help me out. What is this? Okay. Well, it, it, it is season defining if you win it. Right. I love it. If you, cause if you win it, everything changes. Yep. Exactly. If you, if you lose, it's not really, if you lose, it's just another bump in the road. And it's mm-hmm. like, like it's what's expected, really- especially on the right. road. There's not really a bad way to look at it for yeah. for the Bears. All the pressures on the Packers. The Packers yeah. had a horrible loss against the Vikings. Yep. I know everyone's saying, "Yeah, they did that last year against the Saints, and they won seven in a row." It's not like it's just that easy, okay? And Shane Shane says this on Frustration Nation. He he said it multiple times. Rodgers at some point is going to get old. Rodgers was showing concerns of something in 2018. That's why they drafted love in the first place. Like he believes that those, whatever those concerns were, don't just disappear. He may, maybe was able to put him to the side for two MVP seasons, but like Shane is buying into the Rogers deterioration more than I am. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know. We we will see. It depends on how many drugs he takes before the game. Um, (laughs) But, um, I don't know. I am ready to go. I think, like I said, 
I agree. I think it's season defining if the Bears win. Mm-hmm. The Bears win mm-hmm. against the Packers two and zero with a pretty soft schedule for the next month after that. I mean, you're talking about like you're talking playoffs already in week like going to week three. Honestly, yep. Yep. Um, everything's on the table if they yep. can win this game and my my bears over on the six and a half wins for the season is sitting oh yeah in a phenomenal spot if that's the case oh yeah oh yeah i i think i'm i feel fairly i i don't know i don't know listeners if you've heard heard about this but on my other podcast frustration nation with shane that i mentioned he and i have a little bet going and joey i don't even know if i told you about this but yeah we've talked about this and yep so I'm a big – so I, I really am not buying into the Lions, into what they're selling about the Lions. Shane is not buying into the Bears. Both of us feel confident in each of our teams to eclipse the six-and-a-half win total. So we decided to make a little bet. If the Lions win more than six – if the Lions win, if they go over six-and-a-half, for every win that they complete – I am going to go to this soda shop near me that has like unique flavors. I'm buying a bunch of like disgusting soda and I have to drink at least a shot, maybe two shots per per game that they win. So if the Lions win nine games, I would have to take like nine to 18 shots of this disgusting flavored soda. Shane, if this is my favorite one, if the bears win more than six and a half, Shane has agreed to eat a Popeye's chicken breast for every win the Bears have. So if the Bears end up winning like 10 games, he's going to sit down for one of our podcasts and he's going to have to eat 10 chicken breasts. <laughs> oh, it will be quite interesting. So we'll see which, which who, who ends up doing what. Well. Maybe we both don't end up doing either. We'll see. Um but, but anyway, we need to close down this episode. It's been a good time. Um, Bears win, guys. Bears win. Follow us for your shorts 94. Go Bears deep on Twitter. Email us, fullpressbearsgmail.com. Again, tune, tune in Thursday to our Bears Packers preview with Bruce Irons. Talk all things Packers. Uh, also, if you want to check out our friends at Full Press Packers, I will be on there. Uh, podcast tomorrow night talking about previewing this game as well so you know it's up to you if you want to support a Packers podcast or not but yours truly will be on there so um, but yeah until the next time Bears fans be great be kind bear down and we will talk to you on Thursday boom baby fade to black The Full Press Bears Podcast. If you don't love the Bears, we don't love you.